man, oh man. I think I was um, still smelling of, you know, Johnson's baby powder um, when that fight was on. Hey, a big thanks to Nandika Bjorkas there uh, with the news at the top of the hour. And we've taken you back to the first round. I retweeted this in the wee hours of the morning after hearing the news. And it was just the first round. And it felt like you were already in round number five. Uh, or round number six, or round number whatever, but not the first round. That's how hard they went in at uh, Caesars Palace in Las Vegas in 85. Thomas Hearns, and now the late, marvelous Marvin Hagler. I mean, he dominated boxing's middleweight division in the 80s. And as I said, died on Saturday at the age of 66. It's probably news I didn't even expect. And I don't even know if it's true. These days, you, ha- you always have to verify. Then there was news that filtered through even yesterday saying that Thomas Hearns himself was in hospital, something to do with vaccines and so on. But I'm glad I've got an expert that's going to be joining me shortly. But I can tell you that Hagler, I mean, he legally changed his name to Marvelous in 1982. They called him Marvelous. Like you take a nickname and then you say, Hi, I'm going to, this is my legal name now. And posting the record of 62, 3, and 2. If you know boxing, you know exactly what that means. And ruled supreme until his reign as the undisputed middleweight champion came to that, as they say, it was a controversial end in 1987 with the loss to Sugar Ray Leonard. And regarded as one of boxing's great champions, the best pound-for-pound fighters. Now, Hagler was knocked down just once in 67 professional bouts, while 52 of his wins came via knockouts. So whether it's one or two, all I'm saying is that him and the canvas were never good friends. That's how strong the man was. So we go all the way live to London. Journalist for BBC Sports, specializing in boxing, Ade Adedoyen joins me once again. Ade, thank you so much. Good evening and welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. You're very welcome. Always a pleasure. Uh, You were one of the first people I thought of when I heard the news because of your passion for the sport. Um, Maybe like me, everybody was recounting on social media how their dads, their fathers used to stay awake until the wee hours of the morning watching these fights. I was in the same boat, and that is why Marvelous Marvin Hagler became one of my favorite boxers of all time. What is your reaction to it at just the age of 66? Yeah, it's very, very sad because it happened, it seems, all of a sudden, really. I was shocked when I heard the news on Saturday night here that he had passed away. Um, the reports we had was that he had some, he felt very uncomfortable on Saturday, he was taken to hospital and, and sadly passed away. You know, listening to that clip that you played there, it, it just brought back memories, as you were just saying there, of watching this man in his pomp. He was a terrific fighter. That bout that you played there between Tommy Hearns, their first fight uh, in 1985, that first round, the commentator, Jim Lampley, said one of the most brutal rounds you've ever seen, probably one of the greatest rounds you've ever seen, and the fact that the two of them just went at it toe-to-toe from the opening bell. And you've got to remember... Uh, Tommy Hearns was a legend back then. He had knocked out Roberto Duran, and yet he was willing to stand toe-to-toe with Marvin Hagler, and they produced what was a sensational fight. Hagler got in the first round, uh, and in the third round, he finally got the victory. He was a guy who had to work really hard 
to get the credit that he deserved because he didn't get the opportunities. But like you said, he got the opportunity in 1980, became the middleweight champion and then dominated for seven years until he faced uh, his other nemesis, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, in 1987. But why do you think that was the case, though? Was it because he was more the quiet type? He wasn't the boastful type. But when I talk about boastful, you, you talk about guys like, um, whether it's uh, Mike Tyson or Mayweather, guys were very vocal in your ear, or even the legendary Muhammad Ali. Do you think that was also part of it, was the persona? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. In boxing, controversy sells. Being a showman sells. That's why Floyd Mayweather made the money he did. That's why Ali, apart from being a good boxer, was also good because he was, because he was such a great showman. With Marvin Hagler, he was a fighter's fighter. It wasn't about flashiness. It was about going in there and doing your job. He didn't go to the Olympic Games, so he didn't turn pro with the same kind of fanfare as Sugar Ray Leonard did. When Leonard turned pro after the Montreal Olympics, he earned uh, $40,000 for his first fight. Marvin Hagler, when he turned pro in 1973, I kid you not, earned $40. That's all he earned for his first fight. And he won for seven years until 1980, before they finally gave him the opportunity to challenge for the title. And that was after he'd had close to 50 fights. That bout in 1979 was controversial in that it ended in a draw. People thought he won. And it wasn't until four fights later in 1980 when he fought Alan Minter here in the UK at Wembley Stadium did he finally win the title. And even then, he was robbed of his moments because the crowd reacted badly. They, they threw bottles and stones at him and they had to rush him out of the ring. So he didn't get the opportunity to hold that belt aloft in the ring and celebrate the victory. And um, I think that's the thing that drove him throughout his career because Sugar Ray Leonard was always the pretty boy, the flashy guy who made all the big money, whereas Marvis Marvin Hagler was the workman who had to do it all the hard way, which is why beating Tommy Hearns in that clip that you saw there made him the global star he wanted. And then he eventually got to face Sugar Ray Leonard didn't get the verdict, ended controversially because, you know, he thought he won, a lot of his fans thought he won, but the verdict went to Sugar Ray Leonard. But, he, you know, he stepped away from boxing and, and he never came back. You know, he was able to, to just retire and find peace within himself. And you've got to remember as a fighter, fighting is the easy part, not fighting is the hard part. Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, Oscar De La Hoya, they all try and stay away, but they come back. When Marvin Hagler went, he never came back. And then, he, you know, he went into a different life. And that, I think that says a lot about the character of the man. No, absolutely. And, and, and when you talk about that, is, is the upbringing something quite important here, Ade? Because, you know, knowing his history, knowing that, you know, he, he grew up fatherless in a way and that there was his house, I think, was burned at some point. There were violent scenes around the neighborhood where he was staying. Um, was this something that was always going to happen, given the fact that maybe he just felt that he needed to fight his way through when it literally turned out to be the man who got to fight for a living? Yeah, and I think those experiences that you talk about probably shaped him because in 1973, he won the national title. And there was a lot of talk back then that he would go on to win, uh, to, to fight for a place in the Olympics in Montreal. But he decided to turn pro to earn a living. And the phrase he said at the time is that you can't take medals to a grocery store. So clearly, surviving, feeding his family, making a living was the priority for him back then. And you know, to talk about how far he came from where you said at the start to the 1980s, where him, Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns, uh, Roberta Duran, they carried boxing. They called them the four kings. When Muhammad Ali retired, they were the ones that dominated boxing until Mike Tyson came. It was a glorious time uh, in boxing, very different to now with so much politics involved in making these big fights. These guys all fought each other. And, you know, as you say, Marvin Hagler will go down not just as a great fighter in that era, but one of the greatest middleweights of all time. You can put him in 
with any middleweight from any era, whether it be Sugar Ray Robinson or Saul Alvarez, Canel Alvarez, the Mexican star now, and he would more than hold his own, and they would know that they'd been in a fight. That's how good the man was. What would you say was, personally for you, are they the greatest fight? Of Marvin Hagler's career? Yeah. That one that you played earlier has to rank very, very highly uh, against Tommy Hearns because, yeah. as I say, Tommy Hearns was a, a fearsome puncher back then and he knocked out Roberta Duran um, uh, in two rounds. And I remember, I'm old enough to remember, watching the press conference uh, in the build-up to that bout and uh, Tommy Hearns said to Marvin Hagler, yeah, you're scared, aren't you? You're shaking. <laughs> and Marvin Hagler said, listen, when we get in that ring, you're going to find out who the real deal is. But another fight that I liked, and, you, and if you get the opportunity, watch it on that popular video sharing uh, website uh, is this fight against John Mugabe. They called him John Mugabe the Beast. They fought here in the UK, 11 rounds, brutal, brutal fight. Went one way, then the other, and Hagler won, and he showed what kind of a tough character he was. Um, and then, you know, my brother, I remember, he was a big boxing fan. He recorded the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, and that was also a brilliant fight, and just in terms of the narrative. Ray Leonard coming back from retirement, he was this big star, as I say, this pretty guy, against uh, the man who was the workman of a fighter, the fighter's fighter, and that just made global, global headlines. So those, I think, would be my three favourite fights. Uh, and if I could build my time machine and be a reporter back then, which one would I go to? Probably the one you played, the one against Tommy Hearns in 1985. Absolutely. 339 punches exchanged over eight minutes. I mean, that is violence. That's not a fight. Yeah, Jim Lampley said it, didn't he? He said, it, he said that when he, in his commentary that you heard there with the, um, Sugar Ray Leonard that this is just a fight. It's just a brutal fight. And, shook, and I remember seeing this clip of uh, Marvin, Hagler, Marvin, Marvin Hagler and he said afterwards that when he saw his blood against Tommy Hearns, he just thought, ooh, the fight's on now. And he is that kind of guy. He would never back down from a fight. And as you said, shaped from all the experiences he went through as a child. And he showed that in the ring. And I'll tell you the thing that was fascinating about Marvin Hagler. I got to meet him uh, when doing this job because wow. he worked for the BBC as a summarizer in the early 2000s. And he was just a completely mellow man, completely at peace with himself. And I think that was what's so amazing about him because I've covered so many fighters' careers who... They struggle to stay away from the ring. They're always drawn back because, as I say, fighting is the easy part when you're a fighter. But he found peace with himself when he retired. He went to Italy and lived in Milan, trained as an actor. He retired a rich man. He didn't squander his riches and he was just content with himself. And when you met him, he wasn't the fearsome guy that I saw in the ring. He was just this gentle man. He gave me plenty of time. We talked backstage about his career. Just a truly, truly lovely man. And it's just, you know, really sad news that at what is a relatively young age, at 66, he's passed away. Sure. Very young. Hey? Very, very young, are they? Uh, because, like you say, you didn't have the George, uh, the George Foreman tendencies to want to come back and stray back. Uh, I thought of Sugar Ray Leonard uh, the minute that he, uh, I heard the news that he had passed on. And uh, I know it took a little bit of time for Sugar as well to... Uh, understand or maybe even digest and even the message that he sent out on Twitter saying that you're definitely gone too soon but you will forever live on as one of the greatest thoughts and prayers to the entire Hagler family and you get a sense that he, he probably would have wanted to say more and maybe like you and I and everybody else in the boxing world was was just equally stunned because what do you say um, the role that a Sugar Ray Leonard played in advancing uh, the plight of boxing and just the profile of boxing is immense. And uh, I agree with you 100% is that that era carried boxing. It filled up the arenas. 
we were able to watch it all the way down here in South Africa. Yes, it might have been crazy hours of the morning, but we stayed up. We watched. We were entertained because there was no little, you know, shadow boxing and moving around. They came to fight, Ade. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember I, I was too young to actually go to that fight in 1985. But my, they showed it in a theatre in London and my dad went. And he said that when he went in there, there must have been about, he reckoned, probably about 4,000 odd people. And they showed it on a big screen there. And he said the atmosphere in that auditorium was like actually being in Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas to watch this fight. That's how much these guys transcended the sport. The fact that in the UK, thousands of miles away, people were in a theatre watching them fight. It was truly, truly, truly remarkable. And as I say, they don't kind of build them like they do back then, mm -hmm. because back then it was all about you go in the ring, you fight. It was a matter of pride, it was a matter of honour. Now... There are a lot more things that get involved in terms of making a fight, rival TV companies, rival promoters, and things like that get in the way. Those four kings that I mentioned, Marvin Hagler, Thomas Hearns, Roberta Duran, and marvellous Marvin Hagler, they all faced each other. I think it was 12 times in total. And as I say, middleweight guys carrying boxing, tremendous. And just for those who are uninitiated and reiterating, maybe something we've covered already, Ade, but I think as a lasting memory that I would want to throw at you before we quickly move on to the other issue that I want to touch with you. I remember over the weekend going through many, many tributes and the, you know, the veteran ring announcer, Michael Buffer, uh, said something along the, the lines of, you know, Marvin Hagler having gone 11 years and in 38 fights without defeat. That is dominance that we don't see every day. And that's dominance that would surely have earned him a space in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you're talking about um, the greatest, one of the greatest middleweight fighters of all time. And I don't say that lightly when you consider the likes of Sugar Ray Robinson, who many boxing journalists believe is the greatest fighter of all time for what he did in the welterweight division and the middleweight division. But, you know, but you're talking about an era in boxing where marvellous Marvin Hagler fought where the best faced the best. You think about Mayweather and Pacquiao, look how long they danced around each other before they got in the ring. Had this been in the era of Marvin Hagler, they would have fought each other four or five times. That's just how it was. In um, their peak. So yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. This is why that you have to admire what he did. You have to admire what Ray Leonard did. You have to admire what Tommy Hearns and Roberta Duran did in that they put it all on the line. And, you know, as I say, Marvin Hagler is a guy you can drop him in any era that you want to, whether against Saul Alvarez now, whether against Sugar, Rob Sugar Robinson, whether against Carlos Monzon. Bring anybody in history and put them in the ring with Marvin Hagler and they'll know that they've been in a hell of a fight, that, how good he was. All right. I know that as we went on air, Aden, I'm sure you've been covering that as well up there for the BBC, is the fact that Anthony Joshua... Uh, is to defend his WBA, IBF, and WBO belts against the WBC champion, uh, which is Tyson Fury, in the undisputed world title fight. Uh, the date and venue, I believe, is to still yet to be confirmed, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, do correct us on that. But what do you make of the news that came out this afternoon? Yeah, big news, big news. Um, I spoke to a member of the uh, Anthony Joshua camp, and he said, you know, the fight isn't completely done, but... They've overcome the big hurdle, which is to put pen to paper and actually sign a contract. Because remember, Deontay Wilder was still trying to have this trilogy fight against Tyson Fury. But the fact that they put pen to paper means the fight is happening. Uh, it's a two-fight deal. Uh, both bouts will happen this year. We're talking about uh, June or July for the first one and the end of the year, November, December, for the second fight. Um, and we're hoping to get confirmation of that within the next uh, month or so. The biggest challenge is going to be the venue because you're talking about 
two big men who command a lot of money, so they need to get paid a lot of money to fight. So in terms of a venue, you need somewhere that's going to offer a big site fee. When I went to Saudi Arabia for Anthony Joshua's bout against Andy Ruiz, the rematch, uh, we were told that the Saudi authorities paid upwards of $40 million for the site fee. We're in a pandemic, so remember sure. there's going to be potentially reduced numbers in the stadium, so you need somewhere that's going to offer that kind of site fee in order that the fighters are paid what this kind of fight of this magnitude is worth. So I think that's going to be the big challenge as to where it is. Uh, the, the smart money is that it may end up in the Middle East, maybe Saudi Arabia, maybe Abu Dhabi, maybe Dubai, something like that. Um, but, you know, we'll find mm -hmm. out in the next month or so. But this is big, big news, though. I even heard Qatar might be there. Uh, we've been seeing golf and golf with fans. Uh, so they might be looking at venues where, when it comes to coronavirus and the pandemic and all of the restrictions that are concerned here, are they, uh, they might be slightly more flexible or they've been able to contain or control the numbers uh, in one of those areas. So, yeah, you're right. Qatar, Dubai uh, could be one of the favorites. Yeah, so I think there's every chance that it ends up in that part of the world. And I think, that, you know, the big issue is the money because when... Um when Anthony Joshua fought Andy Ruiz, we were told that Joshua earned upwards of $70 million. Now, some of that money always comes from the gate receipts and always comes from the site fee. If you can't have a capacity stadium, like say 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium, which would generate that gate receipt, then the next best place to go is to someone who can offer you a huge site fee. And in Qatar and in the Middle East, places like that, they can offer that site fee. So there's every chance. But, you know, look, look it depends on what happens here in the UK as well. If all restrictions are lifted mm -hmm. and Wembley Stadium can host 90,000 people, maybe they will do it here. But, you know, we'll wait to see. Yeah. Well, it was good to see um, Joshua saying publicly that, uh, you know, any option, and I quote from him saying, any option, home turf, Middle East, my backyard, your back garden. I don't mind where it is. I'm just ready to fight. I want that belt and I want to compete with Fury. Uh, so all options are open to me. That is a man, are they finally, that wants to get in the ring, regardless of where, and wants to knock the living daylights out of Fury. Yeah, and I tell you what, I think it's going to be a hell of a fight because don't underestimate Tyson Fury. I was in uh, LA when he fought Deontay Wilder the first time. He got flattened, but he got up and, and pushed hard in the end of that round. I was in uh, Vegas for the rematch when he basically beat Deontay Wilder up. Tyson Fury is not a joke. He, he is the real deal. But Anthony Joshua is also a very good fighter. You saw that in the way that he came back from that defeat uh, against Andy Ruiz. I think this has got all the ingredients for it to be a great fight. I don't think it's going to be a Mayweather-Pacquiao where we build up to it and then it doesn't end up very an, an exciting fight. In this one, you've got two big men throwing heavy leather. And you know that old cliche in boxing, it only takes one punch to turn things around. And you've got two men who won't take a backward step, two men with big egos, but a lot on the line. I think it's going to be a phenomenal fight when it happens. Journalist for the BBC Sport, specialising in boxing, coming through live from London. Ade, Ade Doyen, thank you so much indeed. Always a pleasure chatting to you, sir. You too. Sports Worldwide. Tyson Fury, you look at a guy whose career, I mean, it, it appeared to be finished. Uh, he had all these battles that were very public, uh, the addiction, the mental illness. Let's uh, quickly go across uh, to Atlanta and chat to journalists uh, for the BBC Sport, uh, specializing in boxing, Ade Adedoyan. He's a fighter, uh, both outside the ring and inside the ring. You know, some of the issues that he battled with, people may not have recovered from that. But he's a cult hero in England, and he's a big hit in America as well, because he shows this vulnerable side. People go through all these problems all the time but when you see someone as high profile as he does be as transparent as he does he inspires people that look if i can overcome it you can overcome it Hashtag NSW. all right all right all right 
I just got a tweet here from hmm, so many boxing fans out there. I think they're just excited about what's going on. Uh, Wendy Lemtana uh, saying that the legend Marvin Hagler emerged in the golden era of boxing where the game of boxing was enjoyable. He was fierce warrior that always gave it all in the ring. Thank you for the inspiration and entertainment. May his soul rest in peace.